This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live, your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Tuesday, September 29th, wherever and however you're connected. Wonderful to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with a guy just trying to get himself on the front or back of a BYU basketball program, Jerem Jordan. Well, we, we don't get on the front. Come on. Uh, but on the back, yeah, I mentioned yesterday on the, f- the football program to no fans, which, by the way, we were told that, like, a guy showed up at Lavella Racine wanting that program after he saw the show. So that's fun. Um, at Toshlin19 said, I can confirm that Spencer Linton was on every single game program last season. Jerem Jordan was on zero. Thanks for that. I have all of them if you require proof. <laughs> we're showing this on BYU TV. That is a lot of Spencer. Now, I... Here's, I have a real issue with this. Like, I am really, really bothered by one thing with this. Okay. I think they should zoom in on you more. I, I just oh, think that would be, it. I just think it was far away. Like, I wish, oh, I wish it was closer. Like, you're a good looking oh. dude. So, so my wife goes, well, what, you, you weren't at that shoot, right? I go, no, 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 I'm right next to Spencer. <laughs> I just wasn't used. It's okay. They're holding out for this year, Jerem. So, again, there'll be fewer fans than normal, if any at all. Hopefully we have fans, right? <laughs> yeah, I, th- I really think they should have zoomed in, you know? Uh, one, I can't believe Tasha kept all of those programs. She's a super fan. She's and super two, fan. that's too many Spencers for that, my liking. Yeah, she tweeted again, that's a lot of Spencers. Yeah, too, too many. I say not enough. Too uh, many. That's what I say. But I appreciate the love, BYU basketball. Yeah. Uh, or hey, who whoever knows, makes the program, who knows if you'll show up on a BYU football program? You put the pressure on, and they can make a change really quickly. Listen, this isn't the year I want to be on the program. <laughs> I want to be on it when there are people. In there. Hey, I like today's program, the show lineup. Reese, yeah, really nice today. BYU's time in the national spotlight, growing with opportunity. Who else do the Cougars really need on the schedule to discover their 2020 ceiling. BYU Athletic Director Tom Homo on why patience is definitely a virtue in this COVID era of scheduling, plus one-on-one with BYU wide receiver Dax Milne, why my wife actor said I sound like his dad, (laughs) plus New York Times (laughs) bestselling author Jeff Benedict on his latest book, The Dynasty, and the backstory on how Tom Brady is connected with BYU football. Here are today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. Number 22, BYU football prepares for its first ever meeting with Louisiana Tech this Friday. BYU defensive lineman Zach Doss says the ranking doesn't change anything for Brigham. As long as that number is not number one, we're going to keep working. We're going to keep working until you know, we're the best that we can be. So the prep stays the same. Still watch the film. Still have to make the corrections that we missed. And and then just keep working on our strengths. Indeed. The Bulldogs received two votes in the AP poll this week, by the way. The game will feature two of the top six scoring offenses in the country in the early part of the season. Pre-game begins on BYU Radio 7 Eastern. BYU TV's pregame starts at 8 Eastern. Friday night, a mid-week show, by the way. We will be uh, live from LaBelle Edwards Stadium on Friday. That'll be fun. Dress warm. It'll be chilly in the morning. Nice. Love that fall football weather. And, Jerem, another undefeated opponent for BYU. In game number three, midweek honors for BYU football. Junior quarterback Zach Wilson named one of the Davey O'Brien Award Grade 8 Quarterbacks of the Week, and he officially earns a spot 
on the Davey O'Brien Award midseason watch list. One of the guys protecting Zach, Brady Christensen, graded out as the top left tackle of the week, according to Pro Football Focus. BYU's entire offensive line currently ranked second in the nation by PFF. Yeah, things are going really well. BYU is the number two offense and defense right now in points, and the average scoring margin is 51 to 5. I mean, it's, it's just wild. Two programming notes with Cougar football. When you win a lot, this happens. First, the BYU-UTSA game on October 10th. That's next week. 3.30 Eastern on ESPN2. How about that? I love it. They're not in the afternoons. In- yes, Sometimes they are. they are. And the October 16th game at Houston is switched from ESPN2 to ESPN. So there you go. It's good to be good. Good to be good. Ranked relevant. You know who else is relevant? The defending Super Bowl champions. The Kansas City Chiefs are still really good. They win again and take care of the Baltimore Ravens. Lamar Jackson said, Chiefs are our kryptonite. Daniel Sorensen, part of that kryptonite for the Ravens with five total tackles, four solo. Chiefs 3-0. They'll play the Patriots 425 Eastern on Sunday. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. Patience is a virtue. Amidst COVID scheduling, particularly, BYU Athletic Director Tom Holmo discussed on 1280 The Zone Sports Network yesterday his approach to how he's trying to fill the remaining spots in 2020. We have those three games sitting at the end of the schedule in November in uh, three out of four or five weeks where they're open and instead like trying to just find anybody, I'm thinking right now that it's possible that there could be games that people might just want to play later. And so instead of trying to grab them right now, it's probably better just to wait and see what games might be available at that time. In our society, it's gimme, 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 now, now, now. But Tom is taking a concerted, patient approach. Jerem, will the wait be worth it? If you're always undefeated, yes. If they have, you know, uh, two losses or one loss. I don't, I don't know that it's worth it per se, unless you're a fan of just playing just a good regular season for whatever reason. But the reason right now that BYU uh, is playing for is a New Year's Six birth, right? And we're close to me not putting on the blue goggles every time I say that, by the way. Uh, because the way BYU is playing, it's a legitimate idea. I know it's still early, but it's uh, appropriately timed in terms of how BYU is playing. Hopefully Boise State's there. And, and here's the thing with Tom. You know who is there? UCF on November 7th. You know who is there? Marshall, still available. That, that means that Tom thinks there are better games available. Because if he couldn't get, or maybe they, he couldn't get those games, UCF seems like they don't want to play unless they need BYU later. But that's, sure. But that's on the same week as Boise State. Because there's no smoke with UCF, but there's definite smoke with Boise State. Craig Thompson doesn't come out and say that's a possibility when asked, if there's not. So... This is exciting because who could be OU add late that would bolster the resume? Now, be careful not to play too many, and then there's one that trips BYU up. What if BYU is too aggressive in November? That would be a bummer, right? Oh, BYU was pacing for undefeated. They're 7-0 going into November, and uh, they play Boy State. Awesome. And they got Army November 28th, but then November 14th, they had like another tough road game. Beware doing too much because I would rather be undefeated and left out then, oh, BYU scheduled three tough roadies to bolster the schedule in November and lost one, and now the New Year's Six is out. But that's the risk of playing a, uh, you know, a tougher schedule. This isn't a tough schedule. It's, in fact, it's one of the easiest BYU's maybe ever played, as currently constituted. But they need to bolster it. So 
I, I don't fault Tom in this. BYU's been generally patient over the years. You remember the whole Big East football thing? Everyone oh, yeah. was like, dude, go to the Big East now. Had BYU gone, maybe it survives. Who knows? But uh, Boise State and San Diego State and some others, that becomes the American Athletic Conference later, by the way. BYU was patient in that and uh, didn't leave Independence, didn't leave ESPN. Um, so I, I think that it will be worth it, especially if BYU is still undefeated at that point. Because BYU has been patient to this point, the opportunity or rumored opportunity to play Boise State is back on the table. And I don't see one good reason why that game shouldn't happen for either side because Boise State and BYU need each other for some type of national relevance. So patience has paid off in that regard. And reading between the lines from Tom's comments, he's got contingency plans. He's got teams on the line that are like – so he's saying, hey – if we get to this date and we haven't scheduled a game, then we'll go ahead and make it happen with you guys. Like who, do he, we, who do we think this is? Do oh, we, UMass, do we, like, do we think? Oh, those? Yeah, oh, oh. Yeah. Like, there will be a game, but why schedule that? Like, he could go schedule games right now, but why? Oh, yeah. Why, the, why yeah, not wait for those are there. Yeah. Uh, another emergency opportunity? I was thinking bolster games, not just whatever. Oh, I'm just saying, but, like, like yeah. does he think there's a Power Five? Yes, there? because of COVID. Like, is it ACC? It's not Big 12. No, it, it could be Big 12. Big 12 or ACC, but not SEC. Exactly. Not Pac-12, not Big 10. Yeah. He's very much living in the moment. In fact, uh, he said the following about how things change regularly. This is a scenario right now where you play week to week, and anybody that thinks otherwise is crazy. You really have to think about your COVID testing. You have to think about the other teams and all the situation at the various counties and states across the country. You have the election coming up. You really have no idea what, when someone's going to call you up and say, we're not going to be able to play this week. I know that partially in jest, Reddit College Football and SB Nation were putting out these posts about BYU as they were dominating on Troy Saturday night saying, hey, if any team in the SEC encounters a COVID scenario and they need a game, BYU should be first on the speed dial. The SEC has said they're not playing non-conference. So you mean ACC and Big 12? But do they change their protocols if they need a quality game to try and help their scenario. That'd be great. Like they everything could otherwise. change. Like they know that they've said things. The Big Ten said they weren't playing football. Yeah. They're back. Mountain West Pac twelve say they're back. Like yeah. everything's changing. It'd be great. Yeah. So I, I'm I'm in favor of him being patient and who knows? This yeah. is this is the route to get maybe a power five. He's playing for better games. He's not playing for any games. He's waiting exactly. for better games. That was my because, point. He's yeah, got, he can could, go get who you could do UMass and Liberty. Yeah. So yeah. topic two, does BYU need more than Boise State in November? You have North Alabama already, but more than just Boise State. It depends on what BYU is ultimately aiming for. And if it's New Year's Six. Isn't it obvious? Undefeated New Year's Six? New Year's Six, then BYU probably needs another quality opponent besides Boise State to help them in the rankings and to help them, as you put it, out at large, another Power Five team. Is that Army? I don't know. The Sagarin ratings have Army at number 64 this week. They haven't played anybody. They played Cincinnati and right. lost. Yes, and lost. Yeah, they haven't, sorry, they haven't, they haven't beaten, beaten anybody. anybody. Yeah. So I don't know that Army, I mean, maybe if Army goes undefeated the rest of the way, but their schedule is super it's, weak. It's very easy. Well, like BYU's. They'll for the most be, part, right? I don't know, 50 ish in the Sagarin ratings. Is that enough at the back end of the schedule to create some type of 
splash nationally? Probably not. So Especially when Power Fives are going to play conference title games late in the season, get an extra boost. Notre Dame always uh, – this always hurts Notre Dame, right? I, I think that boy, if BYU is aiming for a New Year's Six, and they, they are. It's one of the stated goals of the program. It's written in the team room. They right? need a break, Jerem. They need a break in November with some team that's just like looking – a good team that's looking for a game because of COVID or whatever. Yes, a good break as opposed to a bye. Yeah. Um, BYU currently has three buys in November. We've, we've screamed from the rooftops here, this Ram Yumpton, that, hey, they will schedule games. It's going to happen. Boise State has got to be one. I don't see how BYU has, could possibly make a New Year's Six without uh, probably Boise State on the schedule. They need, I think they need more than Boise State. And if Tom is saying this yesterday, hey, you never know, da, 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 he's waiting for another good game besides Boise State, in my opinion. Like, it seems so obvious. So is that Army? I don't know. I think BYU needs to get a quality game that bolsters the resume. And like we said yesterday, if you beat Navy... Uh, already done. Houston, Boise State, Army, or another good team. I think that's enough. And and just it requires an explanation almost weekly for us. BYU is not a Group of Five team. They don't have Group of Five automatic access. They're going to have to out at large uh, Power Five team. For example, let's say Alabama is the SEC champ and they get into the playoff, and the next best SEC team, let's say uh, Georgia, is like the four seed and they get into the playoff. That then the, the SC champ spot will go to like the third best SEC team. Like the fourth best SEC team would be in an at large New Year's Six spot where BYU would have to out at large them. So whoever that is, maybe that's Florida or something. Right now, Florida's ranked third. They're kind of the second best SEC team. BYU is going to have to out at large somebody. It's undefeated or bust for that for New Year's Six. BYU has one loss. They're not going to be in a New Year's Six game. All right, on to our question of the day. Will the November BYU football schedule end up being worth the wait? Why or why not? Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. Tweet in from at Hansen 25 Yes, it'll be worth the wait. Boise State and probably a good AAC team, hopefully a Pac-12 team. Now, here's the thing about that. The Pac-12 and Big Ten and even Mountain West have zero room for error. So if there's any type of flare-up and a team has to bail out, then they're looking at, oh, man, we're only going to be able to play six games. We really need a seventh game. Is BYU available in November? Yep, they are when those conferences are getting going. So that just might be the break that BYU could catch. If not, Boise State and Army, that's not bad because right. now you have road games and hopefully wins against Navy, Houston, Boise State, and Army. That'd be nice. And if there's some margin, like if BYU happened to win for the first time on the blue and won by double digits or something, I'll take, uh, I'll take just an undefeated season. But margin does matter in the conversation. Coming up, BYU's odds to win the natty. Yep, just went up. And BYU Sports Nation All Access one-on-one with BYU wide receiver Dax Mill and why he should have won the Y Factor and why he said, especially you sound like my dad. <laughs> this is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. BYU football with Kalani Satake is on tonight, 8.30 Eastern. It's Gregor Bell chats with the coach, quarterback Zach Wilson, player guest, and Deep Blue explores the life of Jaron Hall, 8.30 Eastern on the BYU TV app tonight. We're live in Studio B with your day-to-day BYU sports play-by-play. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. BYU junior wide receiver Dax Milne coming off his best game as a Cougar. Seven catches, 140 yards, and a dominating win over Troy. Oh, and the longest play of the season that went for a touchdown. Here's my one-on-one with Dax Milne on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline via Zoom. 
Dax, if you don't already know, I picked you as my Y factor against Troy. And taking nothing away from the winner, Gunner, uh, I thought you got absolutely snubbed. So I hope you know I've got your back. Hey, I appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs) More catches, more yards, a touchdown. Like, I I presented the case, but uh, it it only proves to me that uh, you are the most underappreciated player on the BYU offense. How do you feel about that designation? Hey, that's – I feel the love for you, man. Appreciate it, man. Everyone (laughs) everyone did a good job. Naturally, because you had a near-flawless game, we have to get really nitpicky and discuss the fumbled punt return. What would you learn from that moment, and how is it going to help you moving forward? (laughs) Oh boy, I sound like my dad. Um, yeah, I, I definitely learned some. Uh, no matter uh, what it is, just, especially when the ball's in the air, I just got to hide my focus and just make sure I I catch it, especially on punts. Now, I think you just saw a wide open window, and you're really anxious to run. Is there any truth to that? Uh, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of a reoccurring problem for me. I start thinking about what I'm going to do after I get the ball and. I start getting a little antsy, and so that's probably what happened. Don't be so hard on yourself. You still have the best hands on the team. So you got that going for you, Dex. Um, Thank you. And, and they went right back to you, and often, uh, to reestablish that confidence. What was that like for you to work through uh, some frustration but then ultimately put together your best game as a BYU Cougar? Uh, yeah, it, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that they came back to me uh, uh, really soon on the offensive side, and it really just gave me a chance to, like you said, get my confidence and and um, get on the same page with Zach. And I'm glad that we were able to connect throughout the game. And and I didn't, I wasn't really keeping track, but at the end of the game, everyone's like, "Tell me that I had a, just a breakout game." And I was, I was honestly surprised, but I'm just glad that we, we we're all clicking. Everyone did great. Dax Millen with us on BYU Sports Nation. What's the secret to success for the BYU offense through your first two games? Because it has been, in a word, explosive. Yes, uh, I I attribute to the coaches. They've they've made it a a big point in uh, fall camp and throughout the off season to just keep keep the gas pedal on um, trying to get as many explosive plays as we can. Um, I've seen the stats from previous years and we've, we've continued to, to increase our numbers as far as explosive plays. And I think we're on track to keep that number getting higher and higher. So I'm, I'm pleased with what we're doing right now. You and Gunnar Romney both go over a hundred yards receiving first game. That's happened for two BYU receivers since 2015. I keep hearing the word chemistry from Zach and Gunnar what plays into that conversation? What's led to the influx of positive chemistry? Positive chemistry. Yeah, I think there's a few factors. I think one obvious one is just that we're all friends. Um, I mean, I live with Zach, and and it's just we're on the same level there. We're, we enjoy being around each other. And uh, then on the football side, it's just we've we just worked so hard. Honestly, we um, throughout the off season and fall camp, just extra reps, just throwing by ourselves and and um, just timing. So, like I said, I'm just I'm glad it's we're, we're clicking right now. At what point in this strange offseason did you feel like we might have something special going here? Was there a, a, a linchpin moment, or has this been something that's been developing over a long time? Uh, yeah, I don't think there was a moment where, where I knew that we were about to be, you know, something – crazy special. I just, I think it's just been developing, um, just past years and 
with guys like me and Gunner have been younger guys, just learning from older, older dudes and, and um, Zach continuing to get better. And I think it's just, yeah, developing over time and, and uh, finally starting to show out. Dax Milne with us on BYU Sports Nation. Both you and Gunner have had uh, ample opportunity to show off the wheels, which begs the question, who's faster between you and Gunner? Listen, he'll try to tell you he's faster. It's this guy right here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you just point to the longest play of the season against Troy on Saturday night and say, hey, would you have run it that fast? I don't think so. Okay. Um, As you push ahead to Louisiana Tech on Friday night, uh, always a fun atmosphere at LaVille Edwards Stadium under the lights, albeit with no fans. What do you anticipate uh, from Louisiana Tech, and what do you know about their defensive approach at this point? Um, I don't know too many specifics. Um, we haven't dove into their, their schemes too heavy yet. I'll get into that in meetings today, but I, I do know that they're probably just as excited to play as we are. And, and I'm sure they're, they're ready to just prove their, prove themselves and their name. And, and so we'll just, we just got to make sure we're ready for them. How do you read into the AP polls and the rankings? Because I know that the word poison is floating around that BYU locker room a lot, led by Eric Mateos. Just stay away from it, avoid it, but yet you still see a number 22 in front of BYU right now. So how do you handle that national ranking? Uh, yeah, me personally, I don't really buy into those really uh, that heavy. It's just there's so many different opinions and, and um, different uh, polls. So it's just you can't really put too much stock into it. I just I say for us, just keep doing what we're doing, and if we end up on top, we end up on top. All right, Dax, we'll finish with this because you got to do it on Saturday night, and that's celebrate in essentially an empty stadium as far as fans go. So how do you make the most out of an experience like that when you're in the end zone and you look up and there's nobody there? Yeah, it, it's during the game. It, you kind of once you start playing the game, you kind of don't notice that the fans aren't there anymore. But right, well, and like you're when you score a touchdown or make a big play, then you're like, "What the?" You know, like it's <laughs> it's a little weird. And so it it just you got to fall back on your teammates and just it's honestly been fun just being able to just mess around and uh, have fun with your with your guys. Congratulations again on an outstanding performance against Troy. Let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma for the matchup against Louisiana Tech. And remember, I got your back, man. Love you, brother. (laughs) (laughs) All love. Dax Millen on the Deseret First Credit Union. Outline Deseret First. You know why we show how. He's turned out to be pretty special so far. And it's his junior year, and it's the beginning. A lot of times, someone comes into the program and we say, show me something now. It's like, oh, my gosh, it takes a minute. Like, look at what Gunnar Romney's doing his junior year when that space of leadership is unoccupied. The top four pass catchers are out from last year. And look what's happening with these guys taking advantage of the opportunity. Still waiting for Neil Palu to kind of emerge into this group a little more. But uh, what Gunnar Romney has done and now Dax Milne has done, pretty impressive. Yeah, show me now. How about four highlight reel catches already for Dax Milne? Yeah, yeah. and Most Gunner of them goes go for touchdowns. Gunner goes back to back hundies. Yes. Like, wow. Great okay. stuff. Coming up, best selling author Jeff Benedict on the BYU connections to his new book about the Patriots called The Dynasty. And BYU football gets the call up to the ESPN mothership again. Are we making too big a deal about this? This is BYU Sports Nation. How dare you! 
This segment of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Visible Supply Chain Management. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. He is Jerem Jordan. I am Spencer Woo! Linton. <laughs> and the show rolls on. <laughs> that, that, kind of, that kind of fits that picture, yeah. right? Yeah. That scream from oh. Isaac. Who put that up there? Let's whip it. Cougar Whip Round presented by Visible Supply Chain Management, tackling America's most challenging shipping problems. Where did we find one of those? I thought those were rare. BYU moves from having 501 odds to win the national championship. Hold on. To win the national championship to 300 to 1. Are you, quote, buying in? Um, 300 to 1? Sure, why not? (laughs) (laughs) I think that's probably fair right now. I wonder what the odds are for BYU to get into a New Year's Six Bowl. Yeah, do they would, do those odds? I would like that. Uh, no, I'm not buying in. Uh, that's against <laughs> the rules for us working here. Uh, New Year's Six would be awesome. Yeah. Hey, throw down a buck, win 300. Not that we're betting men, and we're not. We Again, we cannot bet on <laughs> BYU. It's against the rules. We work here. ESPN has announced the BYU at Houston game on October 16th has been moved from ESPN du to ESPN, the mothership. Jeremy, is this a big deal? Yeah, it's uh, the mothership is greater than the deuce. So, yeah, absolutely. I, I think this is great. Obviously, ESPN and the relationship, they're seeing that BYU is playing great ball. So uh, they're going to move BYU to the mothership, right? Think about this. BYU and Navy on the mothership on a Monday night. BYU and Troy on ESPN, the mothership on Saturday night. Espen. And BYU Houston now on ESPN. Louisiana Tech will be on ESPN. Two. Two. Uh, The Ocho, actually. Just kidding. Okay. Uh, No, the the Deuce as well for UTSA. A lot of of Espen. A lot of Espen the magazine. It's good to be in that conference. The kick time for UTSA BYU has been announced as a 3.30 Eastern start, 1.30 local time. Do you like the afternoon kick? Yeah, for a couple of big reasons. One, selfishly, I don't get home at like 2 o'clock in yeah. the morning. Yeah. And number two, this gives an opportunity for college football fans around the country to watch BYU a little bit more closely because they're a ranked team. And if the SEC game of the week isn't great or isn't close, then they're like, oh, let's check out BYU and see if they're legit. It'll just give more eyeballs to the BYU football program. And again, yeah, we don't get home super late. Yes. Uh, when we talk about kick times, when BYU kicks at 820 Mountain, that's not an ideal time. It, it is what it is with ESPN. But it's 1020 Eastern. Not everyone is going to be tuning into that. In the third quarter, it's going to be past midnight, right? So that's not actually prime time on the East Coast. It's it's prime time for like an hour and a half here, or two and a half hours, right? Because prime time is 6 to 11. Uh, you could argue in the Mountain Time Zone, 6 to 10 when the news uh, technically starts. So, yeah, I, I think it's great to be earlier in the day on a Saturday. That'll be awesome. The Pac-12 has reveled in the Pac-12 after dark moniker, hashtag, like BYU after it's, dark. It's more of just fans who want to watch college football later Late. in the day, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, there's something to there, that. There's but. value to that, but if yeah. you really want to be seen, you don't kick it 820 at night. Sports Illustrated's Pat Forty has Zach Wilson as one of seven quarterbacks 
on his too early Heisman Trophy watch list. Why is it too early? We're in season. Is Pat Forty wearing blue goggles too? <sighs> yeah, dude. He's what fifth or sixth on the list, I think. Um, yeah, no, it's it's time. Uh, the way Wilson's playing, yeah. If BYU is undefeated, he'll be in the convo. I don't think BYU will rely on him to win a ton of games. Last game, and I I felt like I called this. I said this is going to be a passing game for Zach. And he had a a better night than we thought. Well, yeah, Troy stacked the box. Dare you to throw. It worked out well for Zach Wilson with his career-best 392 yards. In two games, Zach Wilson has thrown fewer incompletions than BYU has scored touchdowns. BYU scored 13 touchdowns. He's only thrown nine incompletions. That's crazy. I love my Wilson quarterbacks, by the way. Russ and Zach. Those are my guys. The Wilsons. The Wilsons. Wilsons! All right. Hello, neighbor. On to the Kansas City Chiefs, Joe. Andy Reid, Daniel Sorensen, and Kansas City are now 3-0 and look awesome. Could they run the table? Yes, but they won't because that just doesn't happen in the NFL. Ask the Patriotas. Yeah, in the Super Bowl. You go in 18-0 and then you lose to Eli Manning and the New York Giants. Like, it's just really hard. Yeah. So, I, I mean, they could, but I don't think they will. Yeah, I don't think they will either. They almost lost to Chargers, for one. Uh, they had to come back. Uh, at Baltimore was the toughest game on the schedule for them, though. Now they're at now the th- Patriots. They don't, they don't have a tougher game. Yeah, and then at the Bills, the sneaky. At Tampa Thanksgiving weekend, that's Ooh. fun. Belichick versus Brady. Which brings us to what's coming up, the top five plays from Detroit. Plus, New York Times bestselling author Jeff Benedict makes his show return. Why BYU great Lee Johnson Thunderfoot played an impact in shaping his new book about the Patriots dynasty. This is BYU Sports Nation. Patriots. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. After further review, airs tonight, 7 Eastern on the BYU TV app. And it's on demand as Dave McCann, Blaine Fowler, David Nixon reviewed the 48-7 win against Troy. Preview the matchup with... Louisiana Tech, first ever meeting between the two. This Friday, it's tonight, 7 Eastern on the BYU TV. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation in Studio B. It is now our pleasure to welcome in longtime friend of the program and an award-winning author, number one New York Times best-selling author, Jeff Benedict, back with us on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline via Zoom. Jeff, great to have you back on BYU Sports Nation. Hey, guys. It feels like it's been a long time, so it's good to be back. It's kind of like it takes a while to write a book, you know, <laughs> not, not that we would know, but uh, hey, you just finished uh, recently the dynasty on the New England Patriots and we have begun the read. We enjoy it thoroughly. Um, well, how long did this project take you to uh, to get into and, and why did you decide this was the next project you wanted to get into? Uh, it took two years and realistically, this should have been a three year project, but uh, I really wanted to get this done and out in time for the start of this football season, largely because of the transition with Brady leaving. And uh, I just thought it really needed to come out this fall. But the the idea for doing the book uh, is something I actually thought about for years. I'd been thinking about it for actually going back probably a couple books prior. And then after the, uh, after I finished Tiger Woods biography, that happened right around the time the Patriots lost the Super Bowl to the Eagles and it was then that I thought, you know, I, I really want to do this now uh, because it it felt like uh, the end of the Brady Belichick craft era might be right around the corner. And so I started working on this book uh, that summer of 18. 
and was basically embedded with the team through the 18th season, right up through the Super Bowl. And then I stayed with the team through the 19th season, which was Brady's last year in New England. Can't wait to dive into it even more. And certainly there are lots to uh, lots of angles to explore, some of which include BYU guys, which we'll get into in a second. But what did you generally learn about what it not only takes to be great, but to maintain that greatness for such a long time? You know, that's a great question. And that's that was really at the heart of why I wanted to do the book, because there's sort of two things here. It's like, how do you build a dynasty? Because in the NFL, there have really been three I think, legitimate dynasties. There, there were the Packers of the 60s with Lombardi and Bart Starr. There were the Steelers of the 70s with Bradshaw, Chuck Knoll, and that great steel curtain defense. And then there were the 49ers uh, of the 80s and early 90s, which was mainly Montana, Walsh. But, of course, Steve Young uh, was on the back end of that dynasty. And then you have the Patriots. And what's interesting about New England is their dynasty ends up spanning two full decades. It's 20 years long. It, it piles up more Super Bowls. And so I wanted to know, first of all, how do you build the dynasty? But maybe even more importantly, how do you sustain it? Because as, as Nick Saban said so well, once you get to the top of the mountain, you become the mountain. And everybody else is climbing you and trying to take it, basically conquer you. And New England, to stay on top for as long as they did, I, I really wanted to sort of zero in on Brady, Kraft, Belichick, because I think those three characters, the owner, the coach, and the quarterback, that's where the, the secret sauce is really in the relationship between those three men. Jeff Benedict with us on BYU Sports Nation. So Joe Montana, Steve Young, your friend, not in that list of dynasties, the 49ers? He mentioned the Niners. Okay, okay. Oh, no. that's right. that's oh yeah. Right. Yeah, the, the Niners are, uh, you know, I think it's fair to say, at least from my perspective, and I think a lot of people would agree, the 49ers were the greatest dynasty in the NFL until the Patriots came along. Okay, okay. And in fact, I, I think that's fair. I mean, I think what Montana and Young and Rice and those guys did, it, it surpassed the Steelers and the Packers. But interestingly, when Robert Kraft bought the Patriots in 1994, the first thing he did was call up Eddie, uh, not Eddie DeBartolo, but Carmen Policy, who was the president of the 49ers at the time, very close to Steve Young, by the way. And Kraft and his son, Jonathan, flew out to San Francisco and spent a day at San Francisco 49ers headquarters studying and learning from the 49ers how they built their dynasty. And then they, Kraft basically went back to Foxborough, and their focus became how do we do what they did but do it better? Why was Bill Belichick the guy to lead the charge after Kraft and his posse did their research in San Francisco and other places? You know, uh, this is really fascinating. When the Patriots, when Kraft bought the Patriots in 94, he inherited Bill Parcells. Parcells had been hired a year earlier to be the new head coach. He had just won two Super Bowls with the Giants. He was considered the best coach in the game at that time. Kraft buys the team, gets Parcells, and there's immediate friction between them. They didn't get along from the beginning. Uh, they were a, a clash in cultures. But one of the things that Parcells did, which no one understood the significance of this at the time, but when Bill Belichick was fired in Cleveland as the head coach, Parcells went to Kraft, who he didn't get along with, and convinced him to go out to Indianapolis to the NFL Combines and try to talk Belichick into coming to New England as an assistant coach. 
Parcells was motivated by the fact that he knew Jimmy Johnson was going to hire uh, Belichick to be the new defensive coordinator in Miami. And Parcells didn't want to coach against him twice a year. So he sends Kraft out there. Kraft has a three-hour meeting with Belichick. He convinces him to not go to Miami, come to New England as an assistant coach. And that year, that one year that Belichick's in New England, Kraft is watching him like a hawk. And he sees in him this incredible ability to teach and connect and motivate with young players. At the time, they had Willie McGinnis, Teddy Bruschi, Lawyer Malloy, and Ty Law, all as young players on their defense. Belichick was their coach as a defensive coordinator. And so from then on, Kraft had his eye on hiring him as his next head coach. The only reason he didn't hire him that, that after that season when Parcells quit was because he knew how close Belichick was to Parcells, and he had so much distrust in Parcells that he didn't want to take a chance. But three years later, after the experiment with Pete Carroll, he finally reels in Belichick, who then reeled in Brady. That's fascinating, and it leads to such an amazing string of Super Bowl victories and division titles and whatnot. Let's connect to the BYU guys. So obviously, over the past couple of years, you've posted a lot on, especially Instagram, hanging out with Kyle Van Noy with the Patriots, who's now in Miami. Uh, there's a little flip, right, with the Belichick story, I guess. But what was the experience like of getting to know Kyle within the Patriots construct? So I knew Kyle uh, from way before I worked on the Patriots book. I met Kyle when he was a sophomore at BYU, and I went out to uh, to meet him there in the athletic office to see if I could persuade him to let me shadow him through his junior season at BYU. And that's when I was writing The System with Armin Katayan. And uh, fortunately... He let me, and I followed Kyle through that whole season. And then I wrote a lot about Bronco Mendenhall, Ziggy Ansa, Kyle in the book. And that's how I built a relationship with Kyle that has, you know, gone on for years. I was thrilled when he let me know he was coming to New England. Uh, I mean, I live in New England. I was thinking, it's great. He's now my neighbor. We did, uh, you know, had dinner together multiple times came to my house. It was just having him and Marissa here and his family coming out to Foxborough for games was terrific. Um, and I just love the fact that he got to go to all those Super Bowls. In the short time he was in Foxborough, he probably went to more Super Bowls than uh, anybody that I can think of who's played for BYU except Steve Young. Yeah, how about that? And uh, with Kyle going to Miami, do you have plans to follow him down to Miami and South Beach? <laughs> well, I love the weather down there, but I'm not going to Miami. Um, <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> I, I'm happy for him. I mean, look, this has been a, a great development for him to get the contract that he did, which I think was well-deserved. And, you know, just a great step in the progression for him to go from the Patriots to the Dolphins. One fun figure in the book is Lee Johnson, uh, the most tenured NFL player in uh, BYU history who punted forever, Thunderfoot. He ends up being locker mates with Tom Brady, and Lee is one of the best interviews of all time. Yeah, I, you know, th this was sort of a, an accidental discovery for me. I wanted to interview Lee for the book just because I knew Lee had spent some time uh, in New England right when Belichick came in as the coach. And I always look for people that you wouldn't expect to see in a book or in a story. Because a lot of times they have great stories that no one's ever asked them. So when I called Lee to, ask, to tell him I was doing this book on the Patriots and, and talked to him, it was in the conversation that he said, yeah, by the way, it was, a, it was almost a throwaway where he, 
he mentioned that he'd spent Brady's rookie year, they were locker mates. And then halfway through Brady's second year, they were locker mates before, basically before Belichick canned Lee Johnson. Um, so I ended up doing some great interviews with Lee and then with Brady about Lee. Uh, and so there's some great storytelling in the book about Lee Johnson and his proximity. I mean, Lee was standing a few feet away when Mo Lewis delivered the thunderous blow to Drew Bledsoe that changed history forever in the NFL. That's the hit that Lee Johnson described to me as sounding like a car crash. He, he said he, he really thought that it may have killed Drew. That's how brutal that hit was. And in fact, we now know, and, and this wasn't known before I worked on this book, but that, that Bledsoe actually did almost die. Um, from internal bleeding caused by a severed artery because his ribs broke in the collision and one of the splintered ribs punctured, one punctured a lung and one severed an artery and his lung filled up with blood, which no one knew till they got him to the ER. But that injury, which, which Lee Johnson was standing there for, was the injury that opened the door for Tom Brady. Wow, good wow. grief. Uh, speaking of Tom Brady, also within the book uh, is the idea or revelation that BYU was at some point on the radar for Tom Brady. What can you tell <laughs> us about Tom Brady potentially to BYU when he was being recruited out of high school? You know, it's that's a good story, and it's it, I didn't know anything about that. I don't think anybody did because I've never seen that out there before. But in one of the interviews I did with Tom, uh, we were in his suite at the stadium and uh, – we were, I, I forget how we got to this, but it was something that he just said sort of, again, it's interesting what people say as throwaway lines that become really important in a bigger story. But Tom mentioned BYU as we were talking about, I think it's because we were talking about Steve Young. And uh, he started talking favorably about the university and about the program, the football program, and how he follows the program and how they had expressed interest in him when he was coming out of high school. Here's what I think happened from my conversations with Tom, is that Tom wasn't initially recruited very heavily, but then his father made a highlight reel. you got to remember the time frame. This is the mid-'90s. And so uh, he, there's no YouTube and all this other stuff. So Tom's dad created essentially a highlight reel, and then he reproduced 50 copies of it, and then they chose all the universities they were going to send it to. And they sent it out to a whole bunch of schools, one of them, which would have been Brigham Young University. And so I'm not sure if they became interested in Tom because they saw the real or because they were already interested in Tom. Who knows? But it was there. And, and Tom was, of course, uh, glad that they were interested. In the end, it came down to Cal and Michigan, and he chose Michigan. Jeff, you do incredible work, and that's probably putting it lightly. We always love having you on the show, and we appreciate the insights uh, into not just Tom Brady and BYU, but some more Kyle Van Noy and Lee Johnson stories. Uh, before we go, I'll let you go. Where can people find the book right now and uh, if they want to get into this and, and read the entire thing? I mean, the easiest place to get it is Amazon or BarnesandNoble.com. Uh, I'm a big supporter of local bookstores, but online is quick and easy. All right, Jeff. Great to have you with us back on BYU Sports Nation, man. Thanks for the time. Thank you, guys.
Jeff Benedict on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. Good author, and uh, he's covered, obviously, a Steve Young uh, book was incredible. The System featured BYU as well, and now The Dynasty, although not about BYU, has BYU ties. So there's always, there's always something BYU in there, whether Jeff means to or not. I love it. <laughs> and, I, yeah, I've read uh, three of his books now. Looking forward to uh, finishing The Dynasty. That's going to be fun. You listen to him, the amount of detail and oh, yeah. expertise Stories. involved there, it just he, – he's Gnarly. an extremely yeah. credible voice. Okay, coming up, the top five plays from the Troy game. Plus, our rise and shout-out. Stay with us on BYU Sports Nation. This segment of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Delta Airlines. Keep climbing. BYU Sports Nation's rise and shout-out is presented by Mountain America Credit Union. Guiding you forward. BYU Sports Nation continues with this daily reminder. The show available anytime on demand via the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. Download the podcast. Just Google BYU Sports Nation podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review. It is time for Top 5 Tuesday, and we have so neatly packaged up the top five plays from BYU's dominating win over the Troy Trojans. When BYU wins big like this, we don't have to reach into the archives. We just go back to Saturday, so number five, Jake Oldroyd's 54-yard field goal to end the first half. This will be a 54-yarder, which would tie Jake Oldroyd's career long which he set last year against Washington. The hold by Rico, the kick by Oldroyd on its way. Plenty of leg, and it is through for three. 54 yards on the final play of the first half, and the Cougars make it 24-7 at halftime. George Q going off there, second longest field goal tied in BYU history. 56 by Owen Pochman in 2000 is the record. Jake Oldroyd has done it twice from 54 yards away. Give him a shot at the record. Although he did, in, he did injure himself prior to the uh, at the end of the first half in 2016 on a field goal like that. So be good. At number four, BYU defensive lineman Kyrus Tonga unblocked and unleashed on the defensive side of the ball. Watson gun empty on first and 15 from the Troy 24. The clap of the hands. The belt high snap and the wrap up in the sack as Kyra's Tonga shoots in to drop Gunnar Watson back at the 16-yard line. A loss of eight on that play. Kyra's Tonga with his first of two big sacks on the night. A sprinter start for Kyra's up the middle going completely untouched and showing off some speed how for Bitella. How does that happen? How does that happen? Number three, the longest play of the season so far. We'll see where it ranks at the end of the year. A 70-yarder from Zach Wilson to Dax Milk. Zach Wilson play fake and a pump and a fire to the far side. Man open, makes the catch. 40 and 35, Dax Milne 25 and 20. He's going to go into the end zone. Dax Milne touchdown. The Cougars 30 to 7 with a PAT pending. It's part of a career night for Dax. You heard from him earlier his conversation with Spencer. 7 for 140 and a touchdown. Why factor? Still going there, huh? Number <laughs> 2 is the first career touchdown catch for an aspiring interpretive dance star, Isaac Rex. Single wide left, they motion that player as the sprint left for Zach Lobs to the open man in the end zone. It is cut there for the score. BYU extends the lead as Isaac Rex hauls it in for six. You wonder how long Isaac practiced his touchdown dance. The cabbage patch lives on, and how about the throw from Zach Wilson? Then watch this. 
The low five for the referee after the dance. He sneaks it in there. Atta boy. Well, Tucky told you after the game, they practiced that dance before the game. Uh-huh. So that was that was fresh uh, application there. And the number one play from the Troy game, Gunnar Romney's diving 41-yard grab. Motion is fake. Deep drop on a play fake. And Wilson to the post, and it is caught by Gunnar Romney. Falls at the goal line, waiting for the signal. They say one-yard line. I think he got in. They should have reviewed it. Part of a five-grab, 138-yard night, back-to-back 100 games for Gunnar Romney, and those are the top five plays versus Troy. Is his elbow down before the goal line? Is that why? Does the elbow count as being down? It does, indeed. Okay. And the forearm. Yep. Well, there you go. Yep. But Question. where was the ball? Because where was the ball? Yeah. They didn't review it. I wish they would have. Question of the day. Will the November BYU football schedule, and the patience Tom Homo is showing to create said schedule in November. Be worth the wait. Why or why not? Our elite voice of the day presented by Sundance Mountain Resort from at Tyson Peterson on Twitter. The fact that there will be a November schedule at all means it will be worth the wait. Yeah, that's good news. And uh, you've seen today where the Steelers and Titans, uh, Steelers have some positive. Well, the Vikings. Corona. Sorry, Vikings. Thank you. So, yeah, Titans, they're shutting down too. So the NFL, it's in the NFL too. The NFL had been COVID free for the most part until now. And then, Boom, they're probably not going to play a game this week. You scared so. me for a second. I was like, a third team? The Steelers are yeah. out too? What's well, happening? It's inevitable. At some point, it was going to happen. Yeah, and it will continue to happen. And let's hope BYU plays all of its games. I mean, it wouldn't be a shocker if we didn't, but hopefully we do. Today's rise and shout-out, a combined effort presented by Mountain America Credit Union, guiding you forward. Okay, Cosmo, uh, during the season, dunked from the three-point line. That was pretty impressive, right? Remember it well. 22-ish feet. He, he has topped the feet with 30 feet, a dunk from 30 feet. Like, he gets thrown from 30 feet, catches the ball, and dunks it. This is unbelievable. This is worth four points. A dunk from Jimmy Look at that. Are you kidding me? Okay, like, how is Cosmo going to top himself? <laughs> We're getting to un- unworldly feats here, 30 feet from Cosmo. I want to see the GoPro camera, by the way. It's on his head. I'm glad he's okay, because that's quite the fall. Cosmo's not okay. He's way more than okay. Number one uh, mascot in the nation. Just that's ask right. Big Red in Western Kentucky. Our thanks that's to today's the competition? Guest, really? Our thanks to today's guest, BYU receiver Dax Milne, and award-winning author Jeff Benedict. Sorry to Dennis Pitt, no time. For Jeremiah Spencer, shout-out to Aaron Cup. Nice. See you tonight on After Further Review at 7 Eastern and the Satake Show at 8.30 Eastern, both on the BYU TV app. Go Cougs. Go Cougs.